0: Coming up this week, it's week six of my rapid release schedule, and was that a bit of tumbleweed I just saw rolling by? I'm due to start writing Truths Be Told tomorrow, but I'm having some plotting problems, and my blog tour gets a graphic and some very early promo tweets. Since we last spoke, Friday the 11th of October, I wrote over 5,000 words. I had a brainstorm and closed down Scrivener before I took a screenshot or noted down how many words I'd done, I would be able to calculate it, but it doesn't matter that much, it was over 5,000 words, and that was Friday the 11th, and then I think I told you this in the diary last week, I said to you that I was going to rather write the end of the story in one sitting, I was going to have two shorter writing days on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th, and that's what I did, on Saturday the 12th of October, I wrote 4,480 words, so I wasn't writing up to my 5,000 limit, actually I nearly got there, and then on the Sunday, I wrote, uh, 2,911 words. That was, that writing was split up over two days, of course. So on the Saturday, I think, um, I'm just trying to remember what I did now. I think I wrote two chapters plus my author notes. And then on the Sunday, I wrote the final two chapters. It was all very exciting, very happy with the way it ended, uh, really sort of tense ending, very happy with that. Uh, but it has left me a little bit of a plotting problem, which I'll, I'll talk to you about in a moment or two. As far as editing is concerned, I told you last week that I was editing Left for Dead. And then I was editing that. It was, I say it was, it's not really an edit because it was a final read. And I was working through Judy Cordner's comments. And there weren't a vast number of those and really just doing a last check of it. And the reason that I was having to do nine chapters a night and, and you know it was not nine chapters of editing it was nine chapters of reading minor tweaks and final checking really is what it was prior to going to the blog tour reviewers. I completed that last week I processed that in vellum and it went on I think it was Sunday evening I sent it to Sarah Hardy who then distributed it to the reviewers so Sarah just asked for a Mobi file, which is what you use for Kindle, and I sent her a Mobi file and also put it on Bookfunnel as well. So I did that at the end of the weekend. Now, as far as Left for Dead is concerned, that that was sent out to Sarah about a month early, and I did say to her it's going to have a final read before it, if it gets finally committed. You know, so they are reading a if you want a pre-release copy, it's been properly edited, but I said, you know, it hasn't had its final read yet, and um, I've been giving it its final read. I actually, because I'd given Sarah the the file processed in vellum, so it it looks, you know, you could could put that live now. Um, I just want to give it one final read because I did so much editing over the course of a week. I just want to give it that final check. I've now transferred it to my e-reader, to my Kindle Paperwhite, and I'm just reading it as I would read a normal book, and if I spot anything or a choice of words that I think I could just improve, these are really just very superficial last-minute changes. I'm just highlighting it on my e-reader. I'll just give it a final sweep. I'll go through it vellum and just make those tiny, tiny changes, and then I'll commit it to a final version. So although the blog tour reviewers are reading the final version of the story, I am going to give it that it will, when it gets released, it will have some tiny, tiny major tweaks. So in terms of their reviews, the story isn't going to change at all now. It's a word here and there. Uh, you know, for instance, I'm, I I think when Julie edited it, she had the word guest house. I, th- I think this is right, separated. And then I was looking online thinking, well, is it guest house two words or guest house one words? And I've, I've dithered about a couple of things. So guest house, uh, seafront, there's another word in there too, that can either be um, two separate words or they can be put together. I've been dithering a little bit about those. Um, And also because I've now written and finished book three in the Morecambe Bay trilogy, and I'm just about to start writing, sorry, book two, and I'm just about to start writing book three, I'm, this is my last chance just to, if I need to tweak any dates or any little final details, it's my very last chance in Left for Dead to tweak that before I commit to that story and everything that is in that story, because it's gone public, I have to stick to people's ages, you know, timelines, things like that. Um, so I'm just wary of that. So it's going to get a final read. That book doesn't have to be, when does Left for Dead have to be ready? Long time yet. 7th of uh, 7th of November, so I got two or three weeks before I have to submit that, uh, the very final version to Amazon, so I have got that time to do any kind of light adjustments that I need to. As far as this week is concerned, I've been working through my first edit of Circle of Lies, that's the book I've just finished writing, Um, and I'm I'm going through that at what feels like a very pleasant rate of four chapters per evening now, it almost feels like I'm slacking doing four chapters uh, per evening, and that book has to be ready to send to Judy Cordoner for her edit on Sunday the 27th, so that's next Sunday. I am due to finish it. I think I'm going to take it right up. Yeah, I will be taking that right up to the Sunday. So my final edit, I will complete on Sunday the 27th. I'll I'll give it a spelling, a grammarly punctuation check. And then I will send that off to Julie on the 27th of November. So I say I'm I'm happy with Circle of Lies. As I've been reading it, I've been really happy with Circle of Lies. Um, But I do have now... Some plotting problems with book three. And you know, I've been uh, struggling with this. So um, the, I, I decided in the end to finish off Circle of Lies before I moved on to the the detailed plotting of book three. And I, I know the I know the swing of book three. I know I know what the story is, the arc of the story. It's the detail that I don't know. And I I finished Circle of Lies on a very very exciting end. I'm very happy with the end. But when I was when I wrote it last week I thought great well book three is just literally it's going to pick up um, at the side of the sea where these last exciting scenes start and it's just going to I'm just going to pick it up from there what I'm what I'm struggling with a little bit so I can't I can't kind of quite get my head round is it, it, the, it works almost like my book Dead of Night. Dead, Dead of Night takes place literally overnight it's a very it's a whole, well, it's a story that the, the current action in the book takes place over one night. So it, I think I think the action starts at about just after midnight, if I remember correctly, and it, it runs through till about six or seven in the morning. So so it's a bit like, do you remember 24 with Kiefer Sutherland? It's a, it's a bit like that, where you've almost got the, the action of the book takes place almost in real time. And then there are some glimpses back, you, you kind of see how we got to where we were in the present, you you get these, not really flashback scenes, but you you just get to see scenes that have happened in the past. And then as the past kind of comes to a crescendo with the present, and you realise what the heck's going on. And this book needs to be a little bit like that too. And I think the problem I've got, it's really a logistical storytelling problem, is, is whose voice is the story going to be told in? And am I going to am I going to run the story effectively over the course of a weekend and that's what's giving me the the problem in that i almost i, I ne- almost need to take a little bit more time with the story um you know it needs to take place over a couple of days really but i I put my characters in a lot of peril at the end and that that, that needs to be very imminent peril i someone's coming to get them so I'm really just struggling with that at the moment. It's not so much the story, the arc of the story. It's really the timeline, and I, I think I want it to take place over a weekend. But if it takes place over a weekend, you know, so clearly people can only be in so many places and travel so many distances in a certain time. I think I'm just trying to get my head round that, how I tie up the loose ends and compress this story into into one weekend. Now, just like Dead of Night. We're going to go back um, in, in this story. So we, we need to see kind of the events of the past, how they have created the events of the present. So we're going to go back to two time slots with my kind of baddies, uh, back to 1984 and back to 2006. So we do have this kind of dual timeline situation coming as well, which gives me more to play with. But I I'm I'm struggling with it at the moment and I'm not quite there now what I can tell you is is that I'm planned let me just have a look at the notes I, I can certainly start writing so I'm ready to start writing I'm scheduled to start writing on Saturday and Sunday and I've I can certainly start writing on Saturday and Sunday and, and what I'm minded to do is to start writing is to have those two days writing to just get started to get into the story to find the story and and then and then what I suspect I may do when I've started writing the story and I can, I can see it and I'm writing it, then I think you know, I may figure this out and the writing that I do won't be wasted because sequentially, I mean, basically my choice is, do, do I pick it up from the side of the sea where I left off book two? Or do I have just a little time-lapse of, of a couple of days, um, maybe start the next book where they're coming home from hospital or something like that? Now, the second choice uh, just allows me to to tell the story just over um, a, a time span that frankly is more suitable for a 41, 42 chapter book. But the events that I'm going to write over the weekend, they are going to be in the book anyway. I may just end up bumping them a few chapters forward. So I th- I think I'm just going to start writing on Saturday. I, I you know I've got I've got this bit well planned. The other thing I've just done this morning is I thought I, I've got to absolutely tie down this timeline to the extent that I work out how old everybody is and I work out how old they would have been in the crucial time zone. So uh, basically, book one, uh, the the kind of the thing the the things that fuel the story take place in 1984 but also I, I I'd done some calculations for book two and actually today I realized that I needed to bump my timeline so I'm going to have to bump the bump the year in Circle of Lies because I just went through every single character to bring them in the last book to a, to an age that is story appropriate I can't have anybody too old but, but I need them old enough in 1984 to be, you know, they need to, to be fully functional kind of, you know, adults who are capable of beating someone up or capable of running a, a sizable or growing business at that age. So with a fine tooth comb, I have gone through my timeline today also, and that's been very productive for me too. So, you know, one of the characters that is in the book, they don't really know what her age is, but they suspect she's late 60s or, or early 70s. And indeed, when i tie down the timeline i can actually tell you now she's 72 um and and also um the two main characters i knew they were 18ish 19ish basically the same age as myself and my wife and, and, and they are i mean they're not myself and my wife but they're kind of based around our experience at that holiday camp even though you know the story clearly is not based around it and, and so they're pretty well my age uh, they're about sort of 50 54 55 um, so they're quite mature characters um, for a book, but again, you know, at 54, 55, well, you know, I'm doing my park runs, you know, I'm still capable of running away from hoodlums and, uh, you know, le- leaping over walls and things like that, uh, you're not old at 55, so they are slightly older uh, protagonists, but of- obviously when we go back in the past, they're they're just youngsters at the beginning of their relationship. Um, and I also just needed to confirm the age of their daughter, you know, who was sort of like you know, clearly doing sort of GCSEs A-levels. But I just needed to tie all that down and also of my baddies. So again, in, in book two, you pretty well see how the baddies are dispatched, um, but you don't really know what the heck's going on and why they're being dispatched. And, and obviously, as the title of this book suggests, Truth Well Out!, you're going to learn everything. You're going to, the whole, everything fits together in this final book. So, again, I had to get everybody's age right. So, um, one of the protagonists in this book is an MP, but he's worked his way up through. Uh, town council planning he's been influential in the in the planning department of the the council so he's been involved in awarding contracts and things like that but I also needed him to become an MP so he becomes an MP to the extent that when we meet him in the present day he's highly he's highly influential so again he is um, 63 in this book as an MP and you know, at 63, you're you're not old <laughs> by any means, um, and and many MPs are much older than 63. I was Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, he's late 60s. I think he's already. I think he draws his state pension, so but that makes him over 67, perhaps 65. Um, you know, so so I just needed to get all that sorted out. It's been really helpful. I've got the timeline. You can hear me rattling it. That's my timeline. Written on a piece of paper and that really helped me to get my head around it so I will start to write tomorrow regardless because I got those first scenes really fixed in my head I've got some pivotal moments but I think I'm going to have to start to write this is what I say about discovery writing this is what and why I find it sometimes hard to plan I do find it very hard to just sit down and, and map out 40 42 chapters ahead um, I just find it you know, I can I can think of things that happen within that but to see a whole story I find that very very difficult so I have got the, the key points of this story I know how it ends I know where it goes I, I know what it's all about I know what the guys were up to um, I, know, I know all these things it's just the delivery I haven't quite tied down yet so when I talk to you next week on the diary I hope I'll be telling you that I've written how many words we may be up to 20,000 words next week, so I <laughs> better work out what I'm doing, ain't I? But I think if I just write these first six chapters and then I got three days to think about it and then I can, I can decide whether I'm going to have a, I'm going to pick it up right from the beach, whether I can sustain it, picking it up right from the beach or whether I actually need to have them coming back from hospital after the events of the last book to give the book more breathing space um, so to, to make the threat not not immediate. Um, and that will also determine how I just finish book two, which again doesn't have to go to Julie till next week. Now, you know, as you can tell, no, normally I might say if I wasn't under the time pressure that I'm under at the moment, I might say, "Oh, you know, I'm just going to think about this. We'll start writing in a, another week." But I, I don't have that. I don't have that luxury of time with this. So I do really feel under the cosh with it, and um, I, I, I got to deliver book two to Julie. Now, I, I got to deliver book two to Julie but that doesn't mean that when I get it back from Julie that I can't tweak and change facts, dates. You know, I can still change it after I've got it back from Julie. Um, so I'm not committed, but I do need, you know, in fairness to Julie, I need to give her, you know, pretty well the, the, the final kind of story. I can't really be changing it substantially. I confuse the life out of her. So I will have that tied down, but it doesn't mean that I can't make changes. I mean, the, you know, the other thing, frankly... And you know I'm like I always work through the scenarios worst case scenario I mean absolutely worst case scenario with this if i if I couldn't find that story and i just I just can't get it and I can't hit my deadlines absolutely worst case scenario is that I just released Left for Dead, which works as a standalone that's how I sent it to Julie in the first place. It was only afterwards I decided to make it to make the sequel um and I just released Left for dead and I hold back circle of lies. Until I've figured out what the X happening with the next one, or I release Circle of Lies, I haven't put the last book on pre-order yet, and I, I, uh, you know, I don't release it uh, uh, until I'm ready to release it. I bump it by a month or something like that. Now, clearly, that would disrupt the release schedule, uh, you know, of my rapid release schedule, but it doesn't affect the first ten weeks. So the 10 weeks, one week after, the other week after the other week. So my absolute worst case scenario is, you know, when I just, I'm really not coming up with a book and I ain't going to hit these deadlines. But, you know, there's wriggle room in there. As you know, I, I tend not to write on my, on, on the days when I am, uh, you know, doing part runs. I've got, how many wriggle rooms have I got? I worked out the other day. I've got, I, I got one, two, three, potentially four five six seven I potentially got another seven writing days that I could find in my schedule before that book has to go to Julie so you know I'm fairly confident I could do this I do know that the scenes that I'm writing over the next two days I know they're going to go into the story the only question is when so I think I'm going to take a leap of faith right over the weekend and then try and tie this plot down a little bit but uh I just wanted you to know. Uh, I'm very keen that you don't think that I just sail through all this stuff because I, I know this is my eighth book, and, and, and if you're still if you're struggling to write your first one, and, you, and the first one has taken more than a year, you'll be thinking how the heck do people do this? And I really want you to understand that although I've I have had some books that have just sailed straight out this year, uh, I am struggling with this uh, last one. Um, I really am struggling just to tie that story down, and I've put myself under pressure for it too. Uh, so let, let, let's see how that goes. I, you know, I'm reasonably reasonably chilled about it. Uh, I do think the story will emerge. I would rather have it planned um, in, in detail because I have found that very good. It's worked well with um, Circle of Lies. It's worked well with Left for Dead and all the other books that I've done this year. But I have written a story off the cuff before. The great thing about this is that the locations and the characters are all established. I, I, I literally, I, I did my, um, novel factory planning document today. So I've got my scrivener document all ready to write. It's all teed up, ready to go. Uh, so I, you know, I have been productive. I just haven't quite done what I wanted to do, which is to plan all 42 chapters out. Um, I've got my novel factory done and I actually, I'm only adding two additional characters to this story. Uh, a couple of hoodlums is all I'm adding. Um, to this story I just need a couple of bother guys Um, and you actually meet them but you don't they don't get names Um, you meet them in right at the beginning of book two in the past and then I just need to bring those characters in in the present Um, and you know there's a guy with a very distinctive raspy voice he's going to come back Uh, in this, because he does the MP's dirty work for him. So, um, I only have to introduce two new characters. The rest, I'm playing with an existing palette of, of, of main characters. And And clearly every now and then you have to put an incidental character in there, but, uh, you know, just for expediency, but I have my, I have my characters, you know, I have my locations, I have my characters. Really in book three, this just has to play out. The other thing that I realized the other day. And I don't know whether I'm being too smarty pants if I do this, but you know that I, I've linked my Don't Tell Meg trilogy with this trilogy in that I've used the same police officer, and I've had a cameo appearance from the clairvoyant who appears in the, in that trilogy as well. And um, you know it's quite convenient because the clairvoyant does a tour of the seaside resorts and the theatres, and it's perfectly reasonable that he should pop up in Morecambe if he's been on tour in Blackpool. And he knows, obviously, the police officer already. And he's got an existing relationship with him. So that actually works uh, very well for me. But it did strike me, and sometimes you see these links, that there's a storyline in The Forgotten Children, which is the kind of culmination of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. That that, that storyline would actually work well with what I'm writing here as well. And I did wonder whether I'm just being too smarty-pants and making life too complicated for myself. But I might give a nod to you know, to just so that all these books stay in the same universe, I might give a nod to an evil character in in the Forgotten Children, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, because that that might work as well. So a lot of things buzzing around at the moment. All all I know really is to put the first step forward, and let's just see where we end up. And you know, hopefully, I'll be able to give you a little bit more clarity next week. But I I hope to be writing. Well, I am going to write. I am going to write definitely ten thousand words this weekend, and they will not go to waste. They're going in that story somewhere because they're good. They're good scenes. They're exciting scenes. It's just a question of where. So, okay, uh, where are we up to then? With rapid release this week, it was a funny old week this week because I released. This was my first box set. So this box set was made up of uh, Dead of Night, One Last Chance, and So Many Lies, and so it was not a new. A uh, book, a new book release, as such, it was uh, putting the books together. And what I just originally what I decided to do was just release this book and not particularly promote it. So in terms of Amazon seeing me release a brand new book, well, you know that's another new book release. That's another added to the pile, which is great. But I wasn't going to promote it. And this week, I just thought to myself, well, why, why, why aren't you going to promote that? It it makes sense to send a little bit of traffic to that page. Um But obviously, I'm so sort of busy. I'm, I'm not really thinking this stuff out very well at the moment. But I just decided this week that I might as well promote it. So at great speed this week, I have booked. I've got loads of promos going out next week. Uh, I have booked. Let's have a look. E-Reader News today, I've got a promo for the box set running sort of retrospectively, if you want. It should have run this week, but it's running next week. Uh, that's running on Tuesday. And then I've booked a bargain See. A BK Knights and A Book Doggy, this is for the box set, they will all run on Wednesday. Now on Monday the 21st, I'm releasing book seven in my rapid release schedule, which is two years after. This is a brand new standalone book, and if you recall, this is a female protagonist book written to 50,000 words to accompany my other two female protagonist books, which will then go into a box set. So Two years after, is going to go into a box set with no more secrets and friends who lie, and so you know it is. It's a fifty thousand word book. Uh, very pleased with two years after. It, it's just a just a fast book. It doesn't hang around. Uh, I think it's got good characters. Again, it's it's a brand new book. It's being released out of sequence. So remember, I, I wrote Left for Dead first, and then I I released. Now you see a uh, really fast. And then I'm releasing two years after. And then finally, we'll get round to Left for Dead, which was written sort of ages ago, well out of sequence. But that's just the way it's had to be this year. So if I'm releasing two years after on Monday, I've also got uh, promos booked. BK Nights on Monday, Bargain Booksy on Monday. This is for two years after. And then on Tuesday the 22nd, I've got two years after uh, is going on Book Doggy and it's going on e-reader news today. So I've just, everything's getting promo on those four uh, those four promo sites so I've got eight promos going out next week and of course I'm I'm got loads of adverts running on Facebook and over this weekend I will set up some box set adverts um, to Facebook now what I needed to do with the box set is I um I've I've priced the box set at a really low price of 99 pence or cents I was very tempted very very tempted to stick it on bookbub but I was looking at the the bookbub prices uh for for new release but they oh it makes you makes me heart beat too fast it's like is it nearly 900 or something for a brand a new release for thrillers on book bub and I just think oh you know three if I did a a three book box set at 99 cents oh you that would go wouldn't it I'm sure and I just it's so much money um and it really makes me nervous I mean it's all right you know 600 I can just about do Oh, but not, would you make your money back on nine, 900? I don't know whether you would. I'm terrified of doing it. But then in terms of algorithm tickling, it would be really good. So I, I've been dithering about that and I'm still not quite sure. I, I reckon, you see, I reckon So Many Lines is a good book too. Because it's been with beta readers, I've had you know good feedback from it as well, and 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 I'm tempted to do that as well. But I'm just thinking, oh, it's so much money. I don't know whether I dare. Anyhow, you, you might see me on a crazy day. I might just do it and tell you I've done it one day, and I'm hoping for the best. But in the meantime, I'm promoting two lots of books next week, and we'll just have to see, uh, you know, how it goes. So, uh, interestingly, with two years after, let me just check the numbers uh i want to give you i meant to fill this in sorry before we started i want to tell you how many pre-orders i've had now when we when we did um now you see her with adam adam we got about was it over four hundred pre-orders on that book which was incredible and and i i never really get that number of pre-orders so i think the most pre-orders i'd ever had before i i started all this lark i'm just looking at my numbers here it looks like it was who to trust, which I had 50 pre-orders on. Now, this time, just off my own efforts without working with Adam, I mean, 400 with Adam is incredible. Um, So many lies had 65 pre-orders. No More Secrets had 65 pre-orders. And I just wanted to let you know that at the time of recording this, and I'm hoping we'll hit 100, but I've got 93 pre-orders for two years after. Um, and I've done, I mean, I've, all I've done is, is, I've just, obviously it's been up for pre-order for a couple of weeks and I'm sending some Facebook traffic to it and it's only 99 pence. So it's not going to make me any money at all. You know, none of this really is about money. It's not making much money, uh, because everything has been 99 pence or cents. Um, but we're going to get 93 sales anyway on, on Monday. And hopefully, I think over the weekend, we should get up to 100 and, uh, friends who lie currently is at 50 pre-orders and left for dead is currently at 19. But as you get nearer that pre-order date, they seem to go. They seem to go up. So again, for me, that's all right for pre-orders, but it's not, in the scheme of things, it's not very good for pre-orders. And compared to what I did with Adam, it's pretty poor. <laughs> but that's, that's all I could muster, unfortunately. And that brings me to my tumbleweed comment at the beginning of this podcast. I just got to say to you, I think Adam said to me that he, he sort of thought things began to happen in weeks five and six, and... Um, his first month's income was not fantastic. His next month's was all right. And then it got, and then it started to shoot. So he'll have been at about week eight, to week nine when it started to shoot. You know, n- not a lot happening. I'm got to tell you, there's not a lot happening at the moment. I've got nothing exciting to report. I don't feel like there are any earth tremors. You no, know, the earth's not moving for me yet with this rapid release. Um, and I- I'll be honest with you, I, I really can't get my head around how this happens because I've been on charts and I've been on charts with people who are doing well and I just and I just I can't really see how it happens I still don't really understand how it happens because I I always think to myself, well, "I'm on a chart w- with you and I you know I'm only selling this many and you must be selling about as many as I'm selling to be on the same place in the chart." You know, why doesn't it feel like I'm doing more? Now obviously my prices are low at the moment. And incidentally, I forgot to tell you that um I should have told you this when I was telling you about the box set that I've just released. I've bumped the prices of Dead of Night, So Many Lies, and One Last Chance to make the price of the box set look like a, a sort of no brain. There was no point me, um you know, that the, the box set needs to look like it's on a promo price for me to shift copies. So I have just bumped the prices up to normal, for those three books that are featured in the box set to, to make the, the box set look more attractive. So not all my prices are now 99 pence or cents. I think still at 99 pence and cents are, what have we got still? Two years after will be 99 pence and cents. Don't tell Meg one is that's still doing really well. Actually, don't tell Meg still doing really well after the book bub. Uh, now you see her is still, um, doing very well, but, but you know, again, I'm looking at Adam's books. See he he's had he's um he he's re-released some which I haven't done brilliantly but he's done another trilogy with a lady uh that he's releasing one after the other and I suspect that's what will really make him fly but they'd got to the top of vigilante justice and he just seems to have more impetus behind him this is the third time he's done a rapid release but he seems to have more impetus he didn't have that the first time so I I, I don't know all I want to report to you is it's week 6 and I'm still not excited um, You know, clearly I'm going to have a better income month, but I don't see anything flying. I don't see the wind picking me up and and, and taking me away. Um, I am making a lot of sales, but they're tiny sales. You know, in terms of in terms of the money, it's not exciting. In terms of the numbers, they're pretty good. Um And, and of course, I don't know that if I then put the prices up, where the sales go down. So, so yeah, I, I you know I don't know what to say to you really. That the, the rapid release continues. It feels nice to have another brand new book coming. And I I can't help sort of feel that, you know, if, if nothing really happens with this, if it's just Paul releases books one after the other for 10 weeks and life doesn't really change, which I always knew might happen, I do at least feel that the next trilogy, the Left for Dead trilogy, you know, the Morecambe Bay trilogy, that we'll be giving that the best possible chance that we can. And actually this week when I was, I was scheduling things in and looking ahead. I'm actually really looking forward to when the last book in, in that trilogy comes out so I can start to promote that trilogy on BookBub. You know, I've got a brand new trilogy where we can hopefully squeeze a couple of good months out on BookBub. So I'd love to get a BookBub on that trilogy before the end of this tax year because I think that would be a good little learner for me. So, um, you know, what what can I tell you? It's just ticket along. My life hasn't changed yet. I am shifting a lot of books but the prices are very low. Don't know what will happen if I put the prices up. We've still got another 4 weeks of this left. Adam said that 5 6 weeks felt like it was the turning point for him. I mean I get emails from Amazon regularly um promoting my own books to me. So I know Amazon, I know the machine is working, but I just don't see I just don't see how this flies. I just I don't kind of really still get it because I haven't seen it doing anything Remarkable at the moment, so we just keep plodding on. We'll just keep releasing. We'll keep promoting. As I said to you, you know, I am I am committed to this course of action uh, right up to week ten, um, because that's when the weekly ones uh, finish. That you know, the last weekly release is is left for dead in November, on the eleventh of November, and then we go to twenty eight day cycle after that. That twenty eight day cycle will involve releasing Circle of Lies at the beginning of December. It will involve releasing the one I'm just about to start writing, Truth Will Out at the beginning of January. It will have a box set. And then at that point, again, as you know, if you've listened to the to me outlining my plans, I will then decide whether I do a re-edit on Dead of uh, Don't Tell Meg, you know, freshen it up, um, put it through it's three years old that, so put it through my kind of writing eyes now and tweak it and just kind of revamp it and then re-release it like I did Dead of Night where I bring all the reviews over and release a version two book. I'll decide whether I'm going to do that or or not. But um, you know, at the moment, I'm not sure whether that would be worth it at the moment. But I've you know, we've got a lot of weeks left yet. So let let's see. Let's just see. I'm keeping my powder dry, but I have nothing to report to you at the moment. Nothing exciting to report to you other than that I'm going along. I am making more sales. It'll be a good month, not a fantastic month, but a good month. Um, I'm not quite sure how much the BookBub has to do with that. Um, you know, when I look at my sales stats, I can see that, I mean, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess I can tell you this. I guess I can tell you from my book report that my own books are selling as much as the books that were promoted through BookBub. So, you know, I guess that is okay, isn't it? You know, um, I've pretty well sold as many of so many lies and no more secrets as I have of Don't Tell Meg at the Murder Place of the Forgotten Children. So if you think that those were promoted through a book, big big book bub I suppose that I can say to you actually you know I am selling a lot of copies of those I'm selling I'm selling enough copies for it to match what I did through a book bub so I suppose that is okay really isn't it because I wouldn't have sold that many copies before but it's not spectacular and it's not life-changing so yes there are you know there are signs there of of it being you know better but it's not spectacular um, you know, we're not we're not looking at uh, an Adam Nichols hundred K or anything like that. We're way, 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 way off that. Way off that. That you know that ain't going to happen at the moment. So something magic's going to have to happen, otherwise um, it's just going to be you know all I'm going to be reporting to you if this continues is yeah you know income was up, shifted more copies, uh, nobody died, but actually it hasn't changed my life. That that's what I would tell you at the moment. But we're We're only just halfway through, so let's keep our powder dry on that, and uh, that's the joy of this diary, is that if anything does change, if anything does happen, I'll tell you all about it. But I do want you to get an honest, I do want to be kind of honest with this, because uh, I know uh, there's a lot of buzz around rapid release at the moment, and hopefully, as a result of the end of my 10 weeks, it will let you know what happens when, inverted commas, a normal person does it, you know, without... Any spectacular platform or mailing list, or you know, big buddies who can promote it for him. Just when somebody out the blue with not much of an author career decides to do this, it'll just give you a sense of whether that's worth the effort um, or not. I'm, I'm actually—it's I'm, so tempting for me to tell you a lot of the things that I've learned from this already, but I am saving that for a special episode at the end of the rapid release because you know I am aware that if I if I if I say oh it hasn't been very good too soon. You know, it might spectacularly lift in week nine and I might end up eating my words. So I'm trying to keep the powder dry on making judgments and and conclusions from this really until we get past week 10. Um, But, you know, because something may trigger at some point. But anyhow, I'm just going to keep going. I'm carrying on with the promos. I'm carrying on with the Facebook ads. I'm going to keep on going, keep on going until that week 10. And that's the point at which I'll start to have a little think about it. But I am committed through to the new year with this Left for Dead, this Walker Bay trilogy—that's happening. Whatever happens, that's happening, and it will get all the primos. It, you know, all the things I've said, it will get. It's really a case of what happens after that. I think is is will be determined by the level of success or not. So let's move into my general news—a um, bit of a, a mix of things to tell you this week. I did want to just let you know that Lindsay Barocca is back. Uh, Lindsay, I was late to her science fiction fantasy podcast, and I listened to it as a result of—I know certainly. Um, John Cronshaw recommended an episode to me. I think it was an excellent episode with Brian Meeks and it was an excellent episode. And I listened to it. I can remember listening to it to on, a, on a train and thinking, wow, that was good. And then I listened to more of the episodes and I got on very well with it. But the podcast had been going for ages when I when I found it on John's recommendation. I think Jerry Evanoff is a big fan as well of Lindsay Baroca, And he t- he talks about that podcast a lot. But then in the summer, um, I think Lindsay had a lot of, books to launch. She was very busy. She said, we're just taking a break. We're going to pause this and we may or may not be back. And then it was on, I think it might have been on 20 Books or 50K. I can't remember I saw it, but somebody was saying, oh, Lindsay Barocca's back and there are about six episodes of this thing. Um, But it's not the same podcast. She's now called it and and I'm really pleased she has. She's calling it sixfigureauthors.com. And I'm really pleased about that. Because we're, we're, I know I was late to the Science Fiction and Fantasy podcast, but the, my favourite episodes were not about talking about Science Fiction and Fantasy. My favourite episodes were talking about marketing and making money. And there were some, some brilliant episodes on that. So what it looks to me like is that Lindsay has just um, probably made the same conclusion that actually talking about Science Fiction and Fantasy probably puts a lot of people off, as it had me originally, and and actually the episodes that are most interesting are the ones where they're talking about what they do and how they do it, the marketing side of things, the money-making side. So this new podcast is called Six Figure Authors and you'll find it at sixfigureauthors.com and um it's highly recommended. The very long episodes. are about 60, 70 minutes. Says he, whose episodes are usually 60 minutes these days. But um, yeah, they're long episodes, which is good because they're meaty. I like longer episodes. I don't like short episodes. They always, short episodes always leave me wanting more. I like a good meaty episode. So I'm really enjoying it and it's all focused on the marketing. It's really good stuff. All three authors are, have been or are six figure authors, but it's all really good in the weeds kind of, uh, you know, information and advice. So I recommend that to you as a listener. I'll put a link on the show notes this week. I've just realised that I half told you about my blog tour. I've told you about the processing the file and sending it off to Sarah Hardy. But in actual fact, the bit that I almost forgot to tell you is that she's started to promote it now. Now, this book doesn't get released until the 11th of November, but I sent over, obviously, the files because the reviewers need to read it. They need a good four weeks, in fairness to them, to to read the book and, and produce a blog for it. But um, I've actually got the schedule now. I know where it's going to appear. And Sarah shared a graphic this week and started to pick it up, which is fantastic. So we've got, so we've got, I've, by my count, we've got quite a lot of blogs. So on the eleventh of November, we've got four blogs: Nikki's Book Blog, uh, Read and Rated, The Divine Right and Reader's Retreat. On the twelfth of November, we have Ebook Nerd Reviews, Nikki's Life of Crime, and Bookish Jottings. On the thirteenth of November, uh, books are my try to work out what that reads. I don't know what that reads, I'm not quite sure what that one is, um, Rebecca McCormick, Donna's Book Blog, uh, on 14th of November, Cathy's World, Chapter In My Life, and Ginger Book Geek, and then on the 15th, Shalini's Books and Reviews, Dash Fan Book Reviews, and A Night's Reads, so that's more than three, there's four on the Monday, and then I think it's three for the rest of the week, yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it, so I'm very happy with that, um, and that you know, let's give it a try. It's the beginning of a trilogy. So, so long as people don't hate it, it should get give it a good push. It's still going to get the promos on the promo site of the e-reader news today, the book doggies, uh, the BK Nights, and the other one that I've forgotten, the Bargain Booksy. So, it'll just be interesting to see how a blog tour helps that book and if it gets a bit of a buzz going. And my feeling is, is unless the reviews stink, uh, it can't hurt me at the beginning of a release of a trilogy as you know when you write a trilogy the first book sells books two and three and you tend to make your money on books two and three so long as you can get the read through in there so um, you know fingers crossed but I've put the graphic on this week's resources page for episode 175 if you want to have a look for that and clearly I'll be telling you more about that blog tour as we near November. And I'll let you know if there are any developments or different promotions, just to give you a feel for what's involved in that. It's NaNoWriMo month this this month, or November it's NaNoWriMo month. And I almost don't see it because it's not something that I'm going to do. But I did think this morning, I wonder how many words I'm going to write in November anyway, because it's an intense writing month for me. And I totted it up. And in actual fact, I'm going to be writing just sticking to my normal schedule 45 to 50,000 words this month um if I if I if I end up writing a little bit later or you know take a start writing this weekend and then maybe take another day out to plan so if I write on Saturday the 2nd of November which isn't currently scheduled as a writing day I I will actually write 50,000 words in November just on my normal writing schedule which is writing three days a week over November so I might do NaNoWriMo this month, not not specifically to do NaNoWriMo, but just because I might as well and get the little badge at the end. If I'm going to write 50,000 words anyway, I might as well get the little badge at the end. So I may or may not take part in NaNoWriMo this month um and really just for the fun of it and I know the I did it a couple of years ago as well only for the same reason that it happened to hit my writing schedule and I totted up the words and thought I'm gonna write that anyway I might as well get the badge at the end and, and just go through the experience of doing NaNoWriMo so yeah I may be doing that again uh this month a lot of it really I guess depends on whether I I managed to wrestle this story to the ground and you know have the confidence to to know about that Something else I also wanted to mention to you is you'll know I've been talking about BookDoggy on this podcast, and I've been using BookDoggy as my weekly promos. I really like BookDoggy. I'll tell, tell you what I noticed particularly about it. It's a very simple interface. I really I like the interface, so I can tell you that for starters. It, um, I really do like their, their interface. Some of them are a bit of a drag. Um, you know, when you're, you're listing books, they're, they're just a bit, I don't know, just a bit of a faff, whereas uh, I, I really like BookDoggy's interface. It's just very straightforward. I can list very quickly and um you know in terms of picking dates and things like that it's good for that as well uh, but also with book doggy i i really like what they do with their email marketing in that rather than just sending out emails that say here's the latest picks from thrillers today they they actually deploy proper email marketing techniques and by that i mean they come up with creative um, titles for their emails so that they stand more chance of getting opened. If you just keep every day sending out an email that says, here's the latest thrillers, here's the latest thrillers, here's the latest thrillers, um, you know, it, it, you get a bit, you don't see it in the end in your inbox. Whereas if you are adventurous with your email, headings obviously you know it works you get it helps your open rates i also like the way they format the email as well so a big fan of book doggy which is just as well because when i submitted that box set this week i got a nice email from a gentleman called daniel from book doggy saying "Uh, this one's on us paul thank you for the kind mention on your podcast and your referrals details are below please let me know that you received this message so um that's very nice, wasn't it? Very nice gesture. Um, cause I've, I've spent what five, maybe more than five now. I've, I've certainly, cause I like Book Doggy. I've been putting them on every week and I know I've recommended it to you on this podcast. And I certainly know I saw, I'm sure it was John Croncher. I'm sure you've used, used Book Doggy too, haven't you, John? Um, for one of your promos. Um, so Book is cheap. You know, it's professional. It's organized. It's new. I like it. So, um, thank you very much to the, team at book doggy. Thank you Daniel for passing that on. And uh, so I got a freebie this week, which is always very welcome, of course. Lots of mentions for this week. Uh, this was a nice one to get actually, uh, because you know, you know I constantly uh, think about this podcast and, and, and consider whether I'm going to continue it or not. And, and so when you get nice emails like this, it it sort of, you know, it's another vote in the pro camp in the in, in the keeping it going camp. And and this is from um, Adriana Liccio, who incidentally confirms at the end of this email that I did pronounce her name correctly. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, so, so thank you for that, Adriana. So um, let's have a look. Uh, Adriana wrote to me and said, I was just really glad to catch up with the latest podcast, in particular episode 172. And that was the episode where Julie Stock's launch was... You know, itemized because um, what Adriana was saying is you know that's a really good benchmark for her 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 launch, um, and it also helps her with her marketing. So you know, again, Julie, thank you for sharing that information. It is if you want to look at um, what Julie sent me, I, I pretty well copied the um, pretty well copied the email word for word with Julie's permission. Uh, but Julie did some great things, and she outlined her strategy, and it's a really if you, if you want to know what you could do, if you're doing your first book, you're very early with this and, and maybe not got a book bub. Um, if you look at Julie's strategy, it really is a very, very good and effective blueprint um, for launching a book. So Adriana was basically acknowledging that. Um, but the purpose of the email is to say, um, it's now or it's 11.30 PM and I'm opening the dreaded document from my editor. This is Adriana's fourth book. And I feel exactly as you said when you come to edit, basically overwhelmed, embarrassed, and wanting to run away. Much like you, I simply don't like editing. Also, as a non-native English speaker, striving to write in English, my manuscript is bound to be full of corrections, and that feels really bad. Now, um I was just saying to Adriana, the, your written English is, is spectacular. You should see the gobbledygook I write in draft one. Um, so, you know, really, I, I, clearly... Tons of phrase and things like that will probably be your biggest issue in an edit, and you can't help that because uh, you know when you're translating from one language to the other, tons of phrase are often, I think, quite 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 difficult to get right. Uh, but your your written English is superb. Um, so Adriana continues. Now it's my fourth book, and I should know that tomorrow, just as you said, I'm going to feel grateful because in reality, my editor, you know, pretty much like Julie did with mine, has done all the heavy lifting. Found. Uh, you know got the flow provided solutions Um, but Adriana's partner noticed that her face was going from deep frustration to a smile and he asked her why and she said because I know there's at least one other person feeling it almost as badly as I do and Adriana says that's the power of a podcast so um, she says "Then keep up the great work so uh, this is why I kind of try and keep this as honest as I can because it's why I shared with you this week, the problems I'm having with my plotting, because if I give you the impression that everything's plain sailing, uh, you know, that I never have any stresses with it, that I just keep banging these books out and if nothing ever goes wrong, or I'm not looking at this rapid release uh, thinking this doesn't look like it's doing anything to me. Uh, I'm not very excited at the moment. You know, if I didn't share that with you, you would not get um, the reality of it. <laughs> and, and you know, one of the things that bothered me when I started is that oh, I would listen to podcasts and, you know, it sounds like, you know, people, uh, you hear these stories of somebody who bashed out a novel in a weekend, just released it, you know, and it was written on papyrus and they uploaded it to Amazon and they were a millionaire by the end of the week and uh, and it was full of spelling mistakes and uh, that didn't seem to matter. You hear all these stories and you think, how, how, how did that happen? How did you manage that? Because I can't make that happen. And, um, and, and I, you know, I've been at this long enough to, to always suspect that, you know, that's not always the whole story, that often people get a push from somebody who's influential. You know, there's usually something like that hidden in there. And, and that's fine. And I always think the bottom line is, is that, you know, if you're writing rubbish, it ain't going to sell. So whatever, whatever, whatever. People are always writing stuff that people want to read. That's always the bottom line. If you're not writing stuff people want to read, then it ain't going to go anywhere. You know, having many spelling mistakes, whatever you do, if you're not writing great stuff that people want to read, it's never going to fly. So there is always that bottom line. But, I, th- you know, it, I think it is important to hear the stuff that doesn't work as well as the stuff that does work. Um, and also to know, as Adriana was there, you know, looking and, and thinking, oh, my goodness, it's another edit. Is, you know, I hate doing this that somebody else also um, feels the same way as you or is having the same problems or is walking the same sort of journey, having the same journey as you. Um, it would be quite nice <laughs> if, if if, as well as telling you the bad stuff, we got a bit more good stuff from time to time. Uh, but that would be very nice. But anyhow, you know, it, it shared in that spirit and I do hope that it's uh, helpful or it gives you some sort of consolation anyway. So thank you very much, Adriana for sending that email to me. Um, Edwin Downwood has sent me a very interesting photograph. It's two photographs, actually, this week on Twitter. And Edwin says, I took the latest podcast with Paul Teague on my walk to the point where, is it Kanaka Creek empties into the Fraser River and climbed to the top level along the way. So it's quite a dramatic uh, a couple of photos there. Some sort of platform overlooking a river um, and it looks like, are you sort of autumn in Canada at the moment? There's still quite a lot of green there, Edwin, actually, uh, as far as I can see. I don't know whether you get autumn at the same sort of time of, of year as us. But this this week's spectacular autumn picture comes from Claire Sager, who tweeted me to say I listened on my way to and from the shop today just before you said about the autumnal pictures I spotted this tree on my walk and thought how gorgeous it was great minds and all of that and and if you wanted a sort of demonstration of why I love autumn even though the nights are getting dark and it's getting cooler um I don't essentially like winter really but I do love the colors of autumn uh, Claire's picture is on the resources page for this week or on my twitter feed lovely picture there Claire thank you very much for that Tim Lewis has also sent me an autumnal tweet this week, and I have to say that when this was on my Twitter feed, because the image was sized square and Twitter normally takes rectangular images, and I'll put this on the resources page for episode 175, all I saw when I looked at Tim's image in my feed was like a pile of browned leaves and a bit of mud. And it was only today when I was actually taking the tweet code to embed it into the show notes for today that I realised that I'd dismissed Tim's image as dystopian when actually when you open it up it's actually a very pleasant woodland walk it's a very lovely um, autumn shot and obviously the ground's a bit muddy because it's autumn but it's it's exactly what I was asking for a lovely woodland walk and uh, that path looks almost like it might lead to the shires where the hobbits live Tim it's a really nice woodland walk that so um, my apologies for my dystopian comment but if you have a look at the show notes you'll see exactly what that looked like in my feed it was only when I opened the image up that I saw actually oh my goodness it is actually a very nice awesome image I thought you were joking again send me sending me an image of a pile of dirt and some rotting leaves but um, when you actually see the picture full it's very pleasant, and exactly what I asked for. So, uh, again, apologies for that dystopian comment, Tim, and thank you very much for sending your autumnal shot this week. So, uh, so thank you for your autumnal pictures. Uh, it's good to hear from everybody, and um, also this is another thing I like when you do the podcast. When you, you sort of think, "Oh, we're not growing audience, or nobody news finding this podcast," um, I got a a very uh, interesting tweet from Daniel Sewell, I think that's how I say your surname, Daniel Daniel Soule. S O U. Ellie. So not soul, I'm assuming it's soul. So apologies if I've got that incorrect. But Daniel uh, tweeted me from uh, Bergen. And oh, well, interestingly, sorry, there's another nice photo as well. So uh, I got a, a tweet from Bergen, which is very nice. Thank you very much for that. And, and I've never had one, I don't think, from Bergen before, which is fantastic. So Daniel says, Dear Paul, I only just discovered your wonderful podcast. It's keeping me company through my travels. This week, I'm on the waterfront in Bergen, teaching a group of PhD students how to write more effectively. I'm just about to bring out my first horror novel, Working on the second and third, while working three days a week—that's you and me both working three, three days a week—and looking after my kids the rest of the week. So it sounds to me, Daniel, like you're a bootstrapper, a bit like me. You're doing a bit of this, a bit of that—you know, keeping the roof over your head and trying to get the books out. So that we call that bootstrapping, which is where you use a job to kind of, you know, p- pay what must be paid, and that cuts you a little bit more slack then to to do your writing work. But you're not working full time. You're you're able to, you know, to work part time. Which so the part-time work just keeps the roof over your head, so you don't have to worry about that. Which then enables you and cuts you the slack to work on the the author side of your business, and it's it's something that I would recommend. It certainly worked, uh, you know, well well for me using that bootstrap uh, principle. So uh, Daniel says the granular personal journey is very informative. I've done Mark and Nick's courses, but the authors they are aimed at feel some way off, which is the whole concept of this of this podcast you know that you need to learn from people who are doing fantastic things like Nick and Mark and Joanna you know you need to learn from people like this but actually sometimes it's quite nice to hear from somebody who's doing what you're doing and having the same problems that you're having Um, so Daniel says coming up to launching my first book while hustling to write the next and you know work and your podcast is more on the nose for me so thanks for putting out some great content all the best Dan so thank you very much for that Dan and I recommended for Dan because he's writing horror. Uh, this is why all this kind of networking works so well. I suggested, um, that, uh, Daniel check out Daniel, Dan Wilcox from Hawk and Cleaver because Hawk and Cleaver have a horror podcast called The Other Stories. And I just felt that that might be a good fit for Daniel to maybe write a short story if he's got a short story and perhaps find an audience because that Hawk and Cleaver podcast, I think it's had millions of downloads, quite spectacular success they've had with it. Um, so it might help him to find a, um, an early listenership with his work. So thank you very much, Daniel, for getting in touch. Always nice to hear from new listeners. That's it from me. I've been productive. I've I, In my day, I've recorded this a little bit earlier, uh, but I did it because I was just scratching my head, looking at a blank computer, uh, trying to figure out my plot. So what I'm going to do now is is save this audio file and then I'm going to get back to my plotting and see if I can squeeze out some more sense from myself before I have to start to write tomorrow. But I am writing tomorrow. Come up may, I am starting writing tomorrow. Incidentally, I also have had computer problems this week, which hasn't been brilliant. My, uh, what's it called? Graphics card, the graphics card in my computer went. And so to enable myself to keep working, I plugged my Chromebook into my big screens. And um, I'll tell you something I did uh, work out, but i just mentioned this, sorry, before I sign off. I was using my Chromebook and I'd plugged my Chromebook through my my normal keyboard, which is a Bluetooth keyboard and my my Bluetooth, Bluetooth uh, mouse and then through my nice big screen. So it, it, my kind of work setup looked the same, even though I wasn't using my PC tower. And I found out last night, um, I had to get the final file of two years after in last night and I was just checking it, just doing a, a last minute check before... Amazon brought the drawbridge up and I couldn't make any more changes. And I'd made a little error. I'd accidentally dragged the, what i dragged the more books by Paul Teague past the prologue in the order. I don't know how I did that, but I had. So anyhow, I made a few changes, the um, last minute changes to just sort that out. And I was thinking, oh crikey, this is going to be interesting. I need to be on Vellum and I haven't got my PC. But I found out last night that when you use Mac in cloud, I, I can actually log into it through, just literally through a browser um, I don't have to download any files, and I was able to work on a virtual Mac via my Chromebook just through a browser last night. And I, I was—I didn't know you could do that. I kind of—I suppose I did know you could do that, but that's not how I do it on my PC. I, I use a kind of a, a downloaded file uh, t- to do it on my PC. So I thought, well, oh, that's very interesting. If I can access Vellum files through a Chromebook, that's Fantastic. So just to let you know, if you have a Chromebook for travel, um, you can get to Vellum using Mac in cloud or they just literally log into it through a web browser and you can access all your files now your files have to be stored in a Dropbox account you'll if you go and look at my blog how to use Vellum on a PC you'll see how I do that um so the the files are all kept in a in a Dropbox folder in in, in the in the cloud if you want um but I was able to alter them in Vellum on a virtual PC through a Chromebook and I I didn't know you could do that so I was very fascinated to discover that so there's a little bit of a technical a tidbit for you if that's handy for you then now uh, you know That's it then for this week's podcast diary. I've just had a realisation that I may have described my Morecambe Bay 3 book as Truth Will Out. If I have done that, apologies. The actual title is Truth Be Told, but I'm confusing myself in that I was toying between Truth Will Out and Truth Be Told and now I've just completely confused myself. So just just to put it on the record, whatever I said in the last hour or so, (laughs) the proper title is truth be told that's that is the proper title okay so apologies for that just another brainstorm but you will appreciate that a lot of these books i've released or re-released had different titles and i really i can't even remember the titles of my own books so yeah truth be told that's what's on the cover that's the official version if you ever hear me if you ever heard me in this podcast or you hear me in subsequent podcasts calling it Truth Will Out, it's not called that. It's called Truth Be Told. And please just excuse me for my confusion. OK, that's it for another podcast diary. Have a great week of writing. Speak to you next Saturday. Bye bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.